Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now. Here's Pastor Raphael. For the, for the sake and time of, of our discussion today, we're just going to go with some propositions here. And I think if any of you have had any experience with cults or people in, in false isms, you're already very aware of the fact that, they're, that, that, that they are all victims of various levels of abuse. And this abuse is, 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 are, are things that, that, that certainly the Lord never intended, that certainly that uh, the scriptures never validated. And so we're going to jump right into basically we're beginning where what where the abuses are. Like I said, this is a part of a talk on our website, uh, which is spiritwatch.org, as you can see. Uh, our our website there has the has the has basically there's two there's two MP3 files on there you can you can download from from the website, which really give the full context for what you're about to get. Because as I said, this is a portion of one of those talks. But, but, the, but I think all of us can certainly agree. That cultists and cult are people who are abused by the groups they're in, and a, and a big way of defining is what I would call of defining that would be what I call religious abuse. Now, how do we define what religious abuse is? Now, in, the, in today's day and age, there's so many different kinds of ways in which abuse are, is being talked about today. Uh, social ills being what they are, we've heard all kinds of things about elder abuse about domestic abuse, child abuse, um, um, codependence, you know, people who are involved in destructive relationships. How you, you hear all kinds of things about abuse. Well, this is one that you don't hear much about, and that's tragic, and I think it's the reason because the church is largely checked out of this. We don't want to talk about this, but it's, it's, it's still there. It's still as, 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 Ma, as American as Mom, Apple Pie, and Chevrolet. It's still there. So what is religious abuse? My, def- my working definition we'll be working with today is, is, is as follows. It's, it's the inner psychological and emotional trauma that's suffered by members of churches and organizations which use authoritarian and manipulative teachings and practices to control both their thought and behavior. And that's whether the abuse was intentional or not. I would say nine out of ten cult leaders, even though they're manipulative people to begin with, uh, really don't set out to be abusive, but they begin to cross that line because they feel that's what they have to do. They feel that's for, it's, this is for the best spiritual good, the best community good for them. They, they, they enter into areas of, of illegitimate in, uh, intrusion that they have no place of going. Um, and that's where I'm getting back into my little cartoon here. I'll back off if you see when you've, if you've read that. Um, Part of what I've, I've spoken of, and, and again, it's, on the, it's in the talk there, is, is that I, I provide defini- a definition of cultism there that really goes a lot deeper than I think a lot of, a lot of others do. I'm not saying I'm the only perspective, it's just, it's just my perspective on it. The essence of what cultism really is, is the fallen nature, of, it, it, goes, it ties directly into the fallen nature of man. And what is man? Man is essentially a selfish being. 
self-centered. We have a, we have a, every one of us have a love of self that, depending on the person, depending on their walk with God, depending on their, and, and on their values, their philosophies, that love of self has either consumed them or they're doing what they should be doing and it's crucifying it on the cross of Christ every day as a Christian should. Uh, and then, but if the love of self gets out of hand, if it gets truly out of control, it then becomes a love of power. You become wanting to dominate. You become wanting to control your life. You become wanting to, to, to manipulate and, and, and orchestrate things in your life. Not, not, and people and systems, all kinds of social institutions, we see that every day. In media and everything, it's, always, it's, it's, very, it's as plain as, as the nose on our face when we look in the mirror. And then when that love of power becomes, again, out of control, becomes out of, uh, out of bounds, we begin to you see it be, be, be uh, catered to. It then, be, it then will start to, to formulate and be, start to crystallize, start to materialize in corrupt leadership that we see in society at, at every single level of human endeavor. I don't care what it is, I don't care who it is, I don't care whether they're, they're red state, blue state, Republican, Democrat, Russian, American, it doesn't matter. It's, as I said, it's human nature. It's, what, it's who we are this side of the Garden of Eden. Uh, cultism, is, as I said, is a manifestation of our fallen nature. Now I can get more into that. I, I, I don't have time to tarry on that point, but to get into the, into the talk, and I, really, I really break that down. Uh, so... And as I said, my little cartoon has a little squeeze bottle. It's what I would call the eau de cultism, <laughs> the smell of cultism. So, so uh, now cultism and cheese don't actually have much to really do with each other. So you're probably wondering what, what that whole thing's about here. Uh, I, would have, I chose that old proverb to bring clarity to an often misunderstood dimension in the, in the challenge that cults present to our society and, and the Christian church. And so we're going to be examining how this cultism harms its victims through religious abuse and what the Bible says, and not only what God's passionate concern about it should be, but what the Christian church's responsibility would, should be in responding to it. Now, if you have a Bible, as they say in TV, I would like you to turn, if, or if you're not, you can jot it down and read it later. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 16. We're going to take a moment here to study this. Because here is perhaps the clearest view of, of, what we can, of what we can understand about cultism, about what it is, about this corrupt leadership we've just spoke of. Ezekiel 34 verses 1 through 16 gives us this laser-sharp insight into God's perspective on this kind of abuse of power. And I think, for me, from the day I've read it, first, I first read it way back when I was a young Christian back in 83 to, to now, it has been just probably one of the most sobering perspectives you'll ever read. About, about, about Yahweh's, God's, the Heavenly Father, the good, good Father's view of abuse of his people. It's the most sobering proclamation of divine outrage and judgment you'll ever read this side of the beaming seat of Christ. But we're going to begin in Ezekiel 34. 1 says here, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophecy is saying to them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat. You clothe you with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. 
The disease have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd, and, because, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search, did search or seek after them. This is what abuse is. Would you agree? This doesn't, these don't sound like very nice people. These aren't people that love the flocks they're tending. These are what, what, what Jesus called hirelings. These are, these are people who are there in it for the money, for the gain, for, again, the love of self. They were in it for that reason only. And they used God's people. And, and this, is, this is Yahweh's indictment of Israel's leaders. But human nature, again, is the same everywhere. Everywhere. And, 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 and so, that's, so that's how we can recognize what is abuse from the Bible. Verses 7 through 10. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what Yahweh is going to do when he sees religious abuse going on. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Now, when the, when you, when the Lord speaks once, that's bad enough. When he speaks, when he repeats himself twice, something's coming down the pike. Remember that scripture. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that I may not be meat. That, 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 they, might, that they may not be meat. Let me repeat that. I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be meat for them. That's verse 10. We can see here God's view of abuse is decidedly a lot more extreme a lot more direct, a lot more indicting, a lot more compelling than what I see in a lot of Christian church leadership circles today. I've been a Christian since 1980, 81, excuse me. I've been in the ministry since 1983. And I, I submit to you, after years of being in the ministry and preaching and ministering all over this nation and a good part of uh, the South and stuff, I, I, I see this no more, truer, more, more, no more truer claim than that. I see, as Jesus has said in the last days, that love of many is waxing cold. Leaders all over are increasingly withdrawing from their responsibilities to be shepherds, to be watchmen, to be those who defend and protect the flock. That's, that's, that's just, that's just, again, just as, as ordinary as anything else says. I mean, I thank God for the elders of this church that are right now getting equipped to handle the storm that I believe you've, you've, you folks are trying to ride out here. Thank God for that. Those are people who are vigilant. They're watchful. But that's, that's unusual. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, but that, but that was how... Well, what, if Yahweh himself says he's going to do something, and what is he doing here? He's going to pull the flocks 
away from the false shepherds. He's going to rescue them. He's going to, to himself reach down and bear them out of the control of these people. That's his will. Now, what is, now, what is his concern? Now, now, what is this, in the verses 11 through 16, what is his will concerning those who've been abused? He says, Thus saith the Lord, verse 11, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. I will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mounds of Israel by the rivers and and in all the inhabited places of the country. Now, for sake of time, you can read the last three verses there later if you wish. The point is, it is God's will that those of his people who have been abused, ripped off, devastated by abusive religious leadership, it is his will that they be rescued. It is his will that they be brought back out of the, the darkness that they've been in. And as, you, if you, as I said, if you read the rest of this, the whole chapter, you can see where God's, God's desire is to raise up shepherds Good shepherds who will lead these people, who will become his hands, his voice. That's his will. That's what he wants. It's not rocket science. God wants to use, he wants to use good, he wants to incarnate himself, as the old theological saying says, he wants incarnational ministry through his people to bring forth all these who are injured into wholeness again. And the problem is, as I said, the church doesn't seem to really understand that. But Jesus did. One day when he walked into a Nazareth uh, synagogue, long, long after his ministry, he read this out, of, out of the prophets, or the, the scroll, he read out of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and, and he read these verses. He, he read this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, we typically stop there in the church. We're anointed to preach the gospel. And so we make the gospel really our passion, which is true. It should be, and it must be. But read on. Jesus had a little more to say. And this is, again, where the church is failing to remember its responsibility. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And then he went on to say, And this day... The scriptures fulfilled in your ears, in your sight. See, this is if Christ is our good shepherd, he's the pattern we are to live by. He's the one we have chosen to, to, to emulate, then, then, then we need to be doing what he's telling us to do. And we see the connection between here, he's talking about healing the brokenhearted, deliverance to those who are captive, the healing of the sight of those who are blinded, to free those that are bruised. That's the same verbiage you find back in Ezekiel. We're called as a people to be part of this solution. And just for the next few minutes, I want to try to help you get a grip on that a little more. To be a little more intentional. I, know, I don't think there's a single person in here that is here because you just, this is just going to be some casual thing you're going to do. Yes, there's nothing else better to do on Saturday. I think you're serious about wanting to see people helped. And so we want to be able to perhaps help you with that. Now, as I said, 
both Ezekiel 34, 1-16 and Luke 4:18, they make very clear that the triune God's concern for people is not this divine hobby. It's not a, a spectator sport. It's at the heart of his mission, of his relationship with mankind. His relationship with fallen humanity is to bring it out of itself, to save it from itself. And that's what this is all about. That's what religiously abused people just fail to ever, ever begin to understand. I, I can't think of it. In all the years I've been doing a ministry, in all the, just last weekend, we were, cha- we were running down the dusty, beautiful day, thank God, beautiful, one warm, one warm Saturday we've had <laughs> for spring. We're running around Wisconsin, and we're down, going down dusty trails in this farmland out there, and uh, there's one uh, lady who contacted us a year ago who's leaving a, a communal cult out in the middle of nowhere in, in, in southern Wisconsin. It's been there 10 years. It's, it's, it's about 30 people, and there's been at least four known deaths involved up there. Four deaths. Two of them children. I can't get into all the details yet, but, but I can just tell you this. I think there's some responsibility there that these people have for having allowed people to pass on their watch. See, this is what I'm talking about. And the people, the lady who contacted us, who put us in touch with us, who were trying to start, were just in the process of starting to help her and other survivors who left, would say to me all the time, you know, Raphael, uh, every church I'd gone to, every place I'd gone, nobody knew how to help me. So there are people that didn't really feel like they could and just we're very uncomfortable that I even came to church to ask that. And this is a woman who, who came from the church. People from cults, 90% of people of cults come from the church. Okay? They're people who had some measure of faith that suddenly got enticed into some group. And this poor woman found that there was nobody there around her that really took what Jesus, I think, is saying there seriously. You, you may not know about how to help somebody, but at least you'll try. Okay? You may not know necessarily how to, to, to bind up the, the bruise, but at least the love and the compassion will drive you to be with someone and, and try to be, at least have the ministry of presence. She never even got that. And this is all happening like several hundred miles from where I live, so it's, it's, I'm not sure where we're going with this, but I'm pretty sure I know God's directing us to do what we can to help people get out of that mess and to help those who are, who are out healed. So... We actually uh, stood in the communal cult's uh, courtyard last, like I said, about this time last week. It was a very interesting time. We got led into the little place. They were all very friendly, very nice people, of course. And anyway, it was interesting to be, to be walking on the same land where you knew there was abuse, where, pe- where, where people were being just, just spiritually raped and talked down upon and criticized. One woman was physically thrown out of the cult after they, uh, they, they, they tried to throw her out of the cult because she, she, had, she committed the sin of independent thought. You think for yourself in the cult, that's the, that's, that's, that's the first unforgivable sin. Remember that. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was very odd to stand in the same place where we knew six men had carried her out as she fought. Because she had children there. They were throwing her out and her children were still there. So, Long story, but as I said... God's desire is that we be in the middle of that. 
Not that we stand off, be a spectator, read about it in Christianity today. We need to be a part of what God is doing in this world today. Now, let's summarize what we've just learned. And again, you, the, the handouts are there. You can fill these out. So get riding, get scribbling. <laughs> the three biblical perspectives we've we got here for, out of these scriptures, okay? They summarize what the Bible teaches. And, the, and these are by no means the only verses. We can, we, I guess for lack of time, we just have to move on. This is what, the, what we just read in these last few verses, really what are summarized here. God sees, as we can see, the Bible teaches, God sees and pronounces woes upon false shepherds and false prophets who abuse and scatter his flock. And he will deliver them by true shepherds. And Christ is the good shepherd who calls his body to preach the gospel as well as facilitate healing and restoration of his abused flock as well as a lost world. We're so busy running around trying to evangelize. Well, I wonder sometimes, as a, I'm, I'm now pastoring as a church, and, and I've been in the ministry, like I said, since 1983, and I've, I just wonder, does anybody still know what evangelism even really is? We talk about it. I don't know if you've any of you ever seen the marvelous uh, or heard the marvelous story about the, fish, the Fishless Fisherman's Club. Google that sometime. I guarantee you will be challenged. But the point is, nominally as a Christian church, we should be concerned about evangelism, about reaching people, giving them the gospel, seeing them transformed by the power of God. As the, and then finally, as the body, as we as the church obey that example, as we obey what it is that he, he, he calls us to do, the promised power of the Holy Spirit of God, his spirit will go with us. It's just what Jesus said. He will anoint us. He will, he, he, as he was anointed, so we will be. He, he was anointed to, be, to empower us, to, accomplish, to, to empower us to accomplish his desire to free the bound, including cultists. You know, it's not just those nice people we, our next door neighbor we give the cookies to or the kids we give the little gospel tracts to or the kids that see you at the poll events. Nothing wrong with any of that. Not criticizing again. Just saying the whole world involves more than just them. It involves more than just people like us. It involves people who aren't like us. That's his calling. That's what, that's what the Bible says about what we are to be doing in response to people who are, find themselves confused. I call it a Trinitarian view because, look, you do see the Trinity very involved in it. You see Yahweh's proclamation. You see Christ's command saying, I am here. And so as, as I am on earth, so should you be. And then he says, if you'll go, the Spirit of God will fill you. This is at the heart of what, of what God is doing in the world today. And, I, I, and the problem is not for any people to know about it. So, so we have to then ask ourselves the question then. How do we discern that abuse of spirituality that enslaves? How do we know where to go, what to do when these, when these things take place? Well, that's where the whole point of the blue cheese cult comes in. We want to take a look at the blue cheese cult model. It's a reality in four acts. Okay, these are our, this is a picture of... Uh, are members of, a, of what we like to call the blue cheese cult. Three very nice, normal-looking people who just happen to believe that the moon is made of blue cheese. Now, this is just a practical model of what 
cultism is, and we're going to see how you can, you can discern these things. Now, Jesus said in John 4.35, Say not ye there yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And I don't believe, if, if, if we're looking at it holistically, if we're, if we're looking at what Jesus is talking about, reaching out and seeking and saving that which is lost and bringing those who are, who are hurt to wholeness, then he's speaking also about cult members, about, cult, about the cults in our life, the people who are involved in those isms, those, those groups that we asked about. Uh, we should be looking on those fields, examining them, knowing what they do, understanding how they operate. And I think that's what, that's, that's, that's what the blue cheese cult, I hope, I pray, will be a way to help you look at that. Now, as I said, it's a working, the, the model is a working rough cast, for lack of a better word. That was a nice utilitarian word, uh, kind of sounded kind of uh, literate. Something. <laughs> it's a working rough cast that illustrates what cultism is. It's, a, it, it's our model. It really is It's a crash course to understanding how cults work in abusing and destroying those who are bound by its dogma. So, as I said, this is what it's going to do is help us analyze a group's impact holistically. But remember, it's not the creed we're going to focus on, because we just don't have time to get into all the doctrine we'd like to. That's what other classes are for. That's what books are for. That's what resources are about. You learn about, the doctrine is vital to this, but there's also other dimensions beyond that. You, that have to be taken into account, which nine times out of ten, churches don't. We look at the creed and say, okay, well, they confess the Nicene Creed. They have a nice, clear doctrinal statement. They sound biblical, but it's what they do that also matters, too. You know? <laughs> uh, so, first of all, we want to take a look at our, at our first uh, proposition. It's a proposition about cultism that helps us track those deeper levels of oppression. So, the first thing we want to look at is... The cultism that, and again, you can apply this. Let me back up. You can apply this model to any ism there is out there. I don't care what it is, whether it's communism, whether it's Catholicism, anything. It doesn't matter. It's the ism, it's, again, it's what they do and how they, how they interact with all this that will help you see where there's abuse going on or where there's any questions or any red flags going up. Because, again, cults being what they are, they're deceptive things. Deceptive na- they, they, they excel at looking like us. That's their job. <laughs> That's how they get us. That's how they ensnare people. The first act, the reality in four acts, the first thing we look at is the cultism that their devotion is founded on. Now, what is that central thought? We just mentioned it. The moon's made of blue cheese. Okay? <clears throat> A cult okay, will take any kind of truth and say, okay, this is what we believe is the absolute truth. You can take any set of propositions or doctor statements but right now for the blue cheese cult for these nice young people we just saw they believe the moon's made of blue cheese okay so you have to then ask the question how were they taught this okay okay what what do they really believe what are they saying what are they not saying about what they believe you need to understand where they're coming, what they're saying, what they're gathering, what their central message is, and then get a grip on how they're, not, not only what they believe, but how are they teaching it? How is this absolute truth, how does it become a new religion for them? Uh, how, now, heresy, as the old saying says, it's a lie wrapped in truth that denies the faith. And that's true, 
But again, it's a, when, it, when you're talking about cultism, they take heretical and bad doctrine and make it look more Christian than Christians. That's how they commend themselves. So you got again, you got to look behind what they're saying. You got you can't just take what somebody says. I believe A, B, and C, and think they really do mean A, B, and C. They mean other things. So you need to be aware of the need to probe beyond those things. The next thing you want to look at is Act Two, what I call in the reality of, of cultism. You want to look at the cult. You want to look, look at how their devotion was directed by it. How this cultism changed their devotion. And it's summarized in this proposition. There's only one way to live because the moon is made of blue cheese. Okay, we've, we've moved beyond the doctrine, the dogma, the, the, the oral tradition. We've moved beyond what they've said into now a lifestyle change. There's been a change in their life. There's been a transformation what lifestyle, so then you have to ask yourself the question. You have to start watching. What lifestyle, based on the truth, were they to follow as true believers, no matter what the cost was to them? How were their personal lives affected, as well as those around them? Okay? Do people, when people join churches, they typically don't break off their, I mean, the average Christian church, you have everybody coming around giving the right hand of fellowship and, and you know, introducing everybody into the family of God and you know, the organist plays and everybody gets happy and we're all so glad of all that. And, it's great. It's, and those are good things. But when you join a, a group that says there's only one, one way to live, what was required of them to get to that point? Did they have to cut off their family members? Did they have to give up school? Did they have to give up some money? Did they have to uh, do A, B, and C? I mean, I mean, did they give up their college degree? Did they cut off their mother and father just because their mother and father wouldn't agree with them? Uh, are they staying out all, day, all hours? There's all kinds of transformative changes in their life. There's lifestyle changes that go way beyond what I think most people would do when they join a church, you know? Yeah, we're all born again and all that. We, become, we, we say we're born again. We become Christians. Wonderful. Praise God. But I think in, in, in people that say there's only one way to live, things go, get a little rocky at that point. Because at that point, you're being asked to make changes that are starting to raise some red flags. That's the reason why you get, I start getting involved and people call me. Oh, my, my son, he's been gone several hours a night with these people. Uh, he's never done that before. Oh, my daughter, uh, uh, you know, she's, she just, her house is dirty all the time because she's always on the phone with somebody out in California. Oh, on and on and on. Those sort of, I can go on story after story like that. When you start, when you start seeing those changes, then you have to ask, what is that cultism doing? What, what is its devotion requiring of them? And then the next act, the third aspect of it. Is what kind of mind control, what kind of, what kind of control of behavior by control of thought has that devotion they had, that simple faith they had, become warped by? Now, for the sake of the talk and for the sake of it, I'm a firm believer that my, uh, in, the proposi- in the propositions of cultic mind control. It, it is a real phenomenon. A lot of people don't think it, believe it's just hooey. 
But no, I, I think it's a very legit, because to me it's the only thing, the only well-reasoned uh, body of, 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 of knowledge, understanding, of, of observation about how people act or in cults that makes sense, that explains why people start believing that the moon is made of blue cheese. Because the third proposition says, what must be done to make one believe the moon is made of blue cheese? Ah, see, we're going deeper now. We've gone from believing the moon is made of green cheese. We've gone to now deeper. Now, what, now, what, now, now, this is where we, you have to start looking at the group. What are they doing? What are they saying? What are they teaching? Okay, what are they doing to make, to compel, to, 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 to manipulate people into believing that the moon is made of blue cheese or that the ch- there's only one true church or this or that? Do you, do you see where I'm coming from? Does this make sense? I mean, throw an apple at me if it doesn't. Throw, throw it to me. What control manipulation, I'm asking, is imposed to help the faithful truly believe and fly right? You know, the Redmond Fellowship Group I, that, that, that I've been hated by for years, <laughs> it's a cult I started investigating and sending into a full no, no holds barred contention with over the past several years. Been sued twice by them, by the, by the grace of God, won both times. Um, is perhaps one, one of the most, it just comes most easily to mind because it's what I'm the most, most involved with. And they, there's a picture here, Gwen Chamblin. What is she doing there? She's listening to her converts tell her about all their woes, their problems, their issues they're having in, in losing weight. But in Gwen Chamblin's dogma, uh, those sort of problems occur when you fail the system. When you, don't, when you don't stick by her message and you don't lose weight, then you've made it. At some point, you've, you've missed a boat somewhere. Your weight becomes sin, okay? Your cellulite becomes a measure of your righteousness. <laughs> I know it's t- crazy. It's insane, certifiably. But there are thousands of people that passionately believe this stuff. And it's interesting, every time they've made it to the national media, they've been asked that question. Diane Sawyer asked her, asked her, her lieutenant, Ted Anger, uh, does, isn't this kind of strange? And he says, oh, and of course they blew the question off and didn't want to engage. They just changed it. But they pick up, when the, the media can pick up, and I cook, why don't the Christians, why don't the people who are supposed to be discerning see that? So there's control and manipulation. When, when, when you're told to to do something, to achieve a goal, and you're finding it hard to get to that goal because, first of all, it's unrealistic and un, un, unattainable, if not outright unbiblical, well, it, it kind of helps along. If you, you, You're always, you know, God's always ready to use you to help him out. You know, there's, there was a little blurb on there on, on one of the websites that were advertising her, her wares a few years ago. It's one of those fancy little burbs that says, can, can prayer and diet help you lose weight? And it was, I had her face just, just, just splayed all over the place. And I had to write, I had to put it on my website. It says, maybe, maybe so, but, you know, uh, being told you'll go to hell if you don't lose the weight is a really good way to motivate you. But that's control. That's, that's a manipulation. I can go on and on about this, and we're running out of time here. But this is Act 3. And then finally, Act 4, what is the cost of cultic devotion to their lives? 
What happens when one fails to believe that the moon is made of blue cheese? Now here's where, it, where the rubber really meets the road. This is where the religious abuse we're talking about occurs. What price do you pay for seeing beyond the truth of what you've been told is the ultimate truth? Uh, what, price do you, what are the consequences of questioning an absolute authority that is unquestionable? Okay, what is, it, what is the cost? Well, the costs, unfortunately, have been too easily recognized by uh, too many. I think, like, the experience for me, and probably I can speak for most kids that were raised in it, you have, like, deeply ingrained in you, like, to not trust anyone else. Because you have this, like, sense that, like, we're the only ones and we can't trust the rest of the world. I think that's one of the legacies of faith assembly. And I wish I could describe that in better words, because I almost feel like I'm understating it. My oldest brother, Clay, uh, and my other brother, Dave, and my two other brothers were living in Richmond. So I had moved out of my parents and decided to go live with them and start life out on my own and not have anyone tell me what to do or how to live my life anymore. I was finally done with anybody telling me how to live my life. I was just finished with it all. At 16 years old, I'm living in an apartment, sleeping in a sleeping bag on the floor, watching my brother shoot up drugs. So I started, you know, getting into stupid things, drinking and... Uh, smoking weed and stuff like that and just melt, let those problems just melt away for the time We were running away and trying to escape the pain that had been inflicted upon us, for sure. South Dakota, 1988. This woman broke away from the children of God who preached free love and promiscuity in the name of the Lord. But after 13 years, her children remained with their father in Thailand. Though her struggle to save her kids succeed. Before I had the children, I really had an ache in my heart. I just don't have that ache anymore. I have a contentment there. I mean, I'm happy. Uh, how do you explain it? You've been defeated in life. Something has taken you and controlled you, and um, you've overcome that. Five years later, that hopeful statement had not become the happy ending Vivian Shalander wished for. They became um, more aggressive toward me at home and um, less manageable. In 1990, Richard Schlander arrived in Sioux Falls with his Thai wife and rapidly became a respected member of the community, working in a nursing home. Vivian eventually turned over legal custody and let the three oldest return to him as they wished. They had received only one week of therapy since leaving the cult, nowhere near what experts say it might take to overturn a lifetime of learning. They're under mind control, whether they realize it or not, they really are. Richard Schillander declined an on-camera interview, but told us that he has severed all ties with the children of God. However, the group's own newsletter yeah, sure directs him to return to the States to get the children back. Reports on the children's progress and includes a prayer cursing Vivian with cancer. I have come away from this experience wondering if I will ever be able to trust a pastor again. A woman in this situation is so beaten down inside. You think all you want to do is live through the next day. That's all you want is just to live through the next day. 
sad truth is that there are billions, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people already living in a deeper level of hell, feeling as completely beat down and crushed as all these people are. And they're a part of a, of a world that we need to reach. They're the people, they, make, they make my heart beat. They, make my, they, 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 they drive, I mean, I, 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 my whole desire to be in Tennessee to begin with was to be a pastor. I, my, that was my dream. That was my calling. Okay, I went there and um, come back. It's a long story. I was going to get into it. I said, no, I have no time for that. Now I've started 10 minutes late. I'm pastoring now. I, I, I have a beautiful wife. We have a lovely little church. I, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate. I want to see my church grow. I want to see the gospel preach. I want to see people healed. And I said, you know what? I need to back this cult thing. I just, I, I just need to back off of it. I, I just can't. This, this, is, this is hard to bear both. And I'm working full time, did I mention that? Okay. Nobody pays my bills for this, okay? I have to work full time. I've got a mortgage to make. I've got, I got uh, you know, debts to pay. I've got to feed me and my wife. We've got to finance ourselves. We've got to pay tithes. We have our offerings. We, we, we want to help fund the kingdom in our own way, as God blesses us. But, um, like I said, I, I can't walk away from it. Because the emails keep coming and the phone calls keep coming and the, and the people keep asking and these people in Wisconsin call. I mean, just in the last year, I had four individual cults I'm tracking now that nobody knows anything about. And that's, that's where cultism has been going. We're now seeing, we're seeing more and more um, um, diversity in that. And cultism is now t- taking a face of an- anonymity. It's completely off, off the thing. By the way, that was taken from this movie, Join Us. This was made back in 2006, 2007. Um, I watched this, and I've been doing this for a long time, but there are parts in this movie that were very hard, very hard for me to watch because these people, this filmmaker, she just got into the lives of these people, like I say, in such a way 
it just peeled back all the all the shell, <laughs> all the all the hard shell you put over yourself. You have to emotionally distance yourself at some point to be of any objective help. And this has kind of leveled me because I mean, uh, my wife would just go like, and she'd heard it all. You know, she's seen it all. It's great. It's now what this movie is. It's about a group of people who leave an abusive cult. And they're going into therapy. That was filmed at the Wellspring Rehab Center. And this and and this is this was filmed there. It, it takes they were, it takes through a, a, several families that go through the whole rig. I don't know if you ever seen it. Or heard, awesome movie, but not easy to watch at all for that reason. But it's but it, this this will give you a tremendous amount of resource. If there's any one resource, I'd recommend you get that would be this one. It's still still very available. So with time rapidly running out, let me try to move on here to our next one. So summary of, of the personal devastation of religious abuse, it's personal. It's social. It's physical. Okay? It impacts you personally. Okay? It shakes your whole world. It, it makes you wonder, are you going to heaven? I had a man I knew once told, told me that he left the Mormon church. He said, man, I, I lost a son, my firstborn son to leukemia. And he said, leaving the Mormon church didn't even touch the pain I felt like. It didn't even come close. Because, as it's, as, because when your faith, as it says, is taken from you, it'll destroy you. you. You can endure a lot of things in life, but when your faith, what you believe in, is, 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 un, is turned over, it can very easily bring you down and destroy you. So, um, just for the next few moments here, so it's, uh, let me just try to, again, we're running rapidly out of time here. Um, and you can just fill these out as you can. So, as I said, we're going to talk about just for the next few months, how do we deal with this? How do we in the church, are, are we, how, what are we to do? We're summarizing what we already spoke of in Luke 4, 18 and 19. What is our Christian response to religious abuse? As I said, the, the scriptures there said, the Spirit anoints us to, to reach out to help save, to heal and deliver. And I'm not just talking about spiritual salvation. I'm talking about the salvation of, of emotions and personalities, and, 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 and bringing the person into wholeness again, health again, helping people to think for themselves again. Uh, Luke 15, 4-7 says, Lost sheep are to be intentionally sought. That's what the good shepherd did. That's what we are to do. That's, what, that's again, it's, it, we're, we're paralleling evangelism to, to restoration ministry, but they have very similar goals. Evangelism speaks to the spirit and to ultimate salvation, but but it also but 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 it also speaks to the fact that as as you as you come to know Christ, as you as you come to know His His, his grace, you become to understand that that you're accepted, you're loved, you're cared for, you're concerned. His concern is for you. He wants to see you blessed. He wants to see you brought to wholeness. Did he just say so? He just said so. So. Again, in Luke 20, Jude, verses 20 to 23, uh, again, I don't have time to read that, but you can jot that down. And there you see the problem, you see here where, that, that where Jude is admonishing the, the church to restore spiritual captives out of the love of God that is in them. Not just our own human love that so easily gets turned. We're so fickle about our feelings, but when God's love is in it, it drives you, it compels you, it empowers you in a way nothing else can. It's the only way I can be here doing any of this. I mean, I mean the, the depths of, 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 of darkness that I've had to see the past 20 years I've been doing this. 
I mean, there's no way you, you can keep doing it, except you harden yourself somehow. And I mean, I, I, it's just like I said, I, I, I'm continuing this because I care about the people who call me. You got a mom on the phone calling because they haven't heard their kid for, for five years because she chose a, one direction, he chose another, on the basis of a cult. Your heart goes out to you. you. You want to help. You want to see something happen. You want to see be part of the process if it's if it's as well to bring that home. Where to follow us? Should the good shepherd's example. So um, now, so Jesus said, "Lift up your your eyes and consider the harvest." So how do we help? These are just practical admonitions to how we can help people. So as we've said, we need to be anointed first of all. We're to be filled with God's Spirit and clad in the whole armor of God as the body of Christ. We work together. There are, this, this is a place where there are no spiritual, even though there are many who try, many I know of, <laughs> you can see on TV and media, there are no lone rangers in the body of Christ, even though there are many that live that way. We need to be working together. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the power of God and the might and his might. We are to be together as a body working together. And, be, we're, and also we need to be aware. First, and these verses are, are there that, that you can jot down as well. 1 Peter 3.15, 2 Corinthians 2.11. Make it very clear. We need to be aware. We, we need to be aware of what's going on. We need to pray and study for discernment. And we have to watch what's going on around us. We're in a day and age where there's, there's no shortage of information. Absolutely no shortage of information. There's absolutely no reason why we cannot help somebody dabbling with the new age, somebody dabbling with, with the occult, somebody dabbling with all these things. Okay, there's no reason why we can't help people like that. We can get books, we can get text, tapes, we can, we can understand these things. And the next one is, is to be available. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19 talks about the, us having the ministry of reconciliation. We're to be in, some, in season. And we're supposed to step out of our comfort zones and be ready when those coincidences happen. You know, every one of us here, you know, if, 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 if you're here, you're here because you have a very specific reason. You want to learn how people in cults. Well, you know what? You already know about this. I would say most people in the Christian church don't. God brings people into our lives for reasons. He's a sovereign God. <laughs> He's, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a, he puts us together in things and ways that, that, that blow our mind. But we are meant to hear about things for reasons. So we need to be ready to, to take those, exploit those for God's glory and be available. But then we need to also be approachable. There's people who I know who are all the above but aren't approachable. You know what I'm talking about? People who, who seem to think that the old saying where you talk about uh, using vinegar to attract flies, you've heard of that saying? <laughs> people can be very, very prickly and, and be still wanting to help. Well, we need to be people, again, who are willing to be approachable. We need to be people who are loving and kind and compassionate, patient. Uh, I know I need to work on that. And uh, that's something I, I, every one of us need to be. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 speak about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, etc., etc. We need to be people that walk in God's love. And these are, these, are, these are things the Spirit of God developed in us. But we only get them as we are tested, as we are tried. We need to be accepting. 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26. We are to receive people where they are so we can enable them to get where they need to be. 
I've met so many people who are broken, hurting, who manifest things, who have attitudes, or people sometimes you have to chase down, people who make it very hard to help. They're people you want to help. They're people you feel compelled to. But sometimes they can make things very difficult themselves by doing, by doing things that you probably wouldn't do yourself. Uh, and I've known many ex-members like that. Who would who would get who I knew a, a dear ex a dear lady I know who's an ex Jehovah's Witness who kept getting involved in relationship after relationship with with abusive guys it was just part of what she was and she would do things along the way and say things along the way and make commitments along the way it made you want to pull your hair out of course I didn't have that problem back then so <laughs> but but we need to be receive people just where just where they are so. And we take them where they are in the moment. So, they, so as we move alongside them in ministry, as we share with them, as we encourage them, as we talk tough love to them sometimes, we do that so they can get to be where they need to be. And then we need to be aiding. We need to be ready for people ready to help. We need to stand with them, as I said, when they act out, when they grieve, when they rage, when they show light. When they're in need of light. Romans 12, 6 through 1 makes that clear. Again, that's the, that's the ministry of the body. Working together. We need to be practically helping people. What was the scripture saying and talking about where, where you know, uh, what, what, what good is it if you say that you, uh, uh, you tell a brother or sister, you know, be, yeah. You, you, you're familiar with it. What is this? You, you, what? Yeah. Yeah. What this basically saying is, what good is it for you to go up to a brother or sister and, and wish them the best? And their bellies are, are screaming with hunger. You walk off say, be at peace, be filled. Mm-hmm. And like Keith Green would like to say, that just wasn't my ministry to help them. Yeah, there's a lot of people that act that way. Again, that's we're talking about the love of many wax and coal. Well, you know, help them. You've got to be part of the solution. And then finally... Another last practical exhortation, and these are all things I would love to wish I had time to expound on all these properly, but I'm just zooming through them now because, as I said, we're already pretty late here now. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, be assured. I'm so grateful to see all of you here because, you know, I am assured God's going to use all of you in some way, shape, or form, if he hasn't already, to help people. You are, you are here because God's going to use this to help you get to where you're going to go. So be assured, like Hebrews says it, that you are there in God's timing. I, I want to read that as, as we get ready to close here. Beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though thus we speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you've showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. So as I get ready to close here, I have to ask this question. It'll work here. Is helping religiously abused people really worth all this trouble? Even if we hear what God says, we have to ask ourselves the pragmatic question. Is it really worth all that hassle? Well, let's see if I get this working here. And it's not, of course. That's all. Yeah, died on me. And it shuts off. Fine, it's okay. All right. The answer is yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. Yes, it is. Very good. 
I had a video I was going to show you. You know what? That's probably the province of God. As we're coming right up to, our, to my one hour. Uh, I had a video I was going to show you of a lady, one of the ladies I helped, uh, who came out of the watch hour for 20 years. Her being baptized, her giving her testimonies. Magnificent thing. And it was just totally from her heart. And um, then there's going to be a second one I was going to show. Uh, but as I said, we're out of time. And as I said, in the province of God, we're, we're, we probably just need to end it right here. So uh, I will just say this in keeping with that video. Uh, there was an old story once told by an old mentor of mine. He says one time he, 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 he helped win a cult, a cult member to the Lord or helped, just helped him. And uh, it was, he took him forever, witnessing to the guy, talking to him, helping, borrowing money to him. Again, being there for him, not judging him, not criticizing him, welcoming him to his house, dialoguing with him. And this man finally made a commitment to not only lead the group, but accept Christ as his Savior, which is wonderful, you know. And then he was going to church one day, and he heard, he heard, he heard something. He walked into church one day, and he heard somebody in one of the fellowship rooms making a big stink about, oh, how much time did, look how much time you spent with this guy. I'm glad he's out, but man, with all the time you've been spending to win this guy, think of how many more people you could have won by then. And the guy, and the man stuck his head and says, you know what, you're right, you could have. You, uh, you sure could have made, you could have done a lot more to, do, to reach people on that. And he says, but I'm so glad you thought I was worth the trouble. Mm. Oh, yeah. and, and, and that's a true story. My, my, my mentor showed it to me. But uh, that's where we need to be. This is where, where God leads us. This is, this is what it means to, I hope, did the, the blue cheese model help you? I mean, I've really, I don't, I've not had a chance to really talk to a lot of people. But it's, it's a different way of understanding how cults work, what they do, and how you can discern them. And then you use that to help people. So I hope it helps some way. And I appreciate your attention. Father, let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the time we've had. Help us, Lord, as we go our separate ways. Help us, oh God, in your providence and in your power and in your direction. And by your spirit, Lord, help us to be used of you to reach out and aid others, O oh God, who've lost their way. Help us, O oh God, to be your servants in this world of pain. Help us to be your, your true shepherds, Lord, to all those who've been beaten and abused. Help us, O oh Lord, again, to be light in the darkness, Father, that we might one day all stand before you in the throne, glorifying you with all those whom we've helped snatch out of the fire. In Jesus' name we ask, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your attention much into exactly what Spirit Watch does. I know, because we had no time. <laughs> Spirit Watch, well, it's, it's a countercult ministry. Uh, we have all, a whole range of things there. You can go to the website and look them up. A whole range of uh, articles and things. The two things we're probably most known for are for, for battling Gwen Chamblin, and we have a whole section on, on um, uh, I call it the Strange Fire section. It's a section where I I deal specific because I'm a, I'm a Pentecostal minister, and I deal specifically with craziness in Pentecostal. I mean, Pentecostal and charismatic extremism. I deal directly with that. I've got a whole ton of articles of that, and uh, I've got one on Jimmy Swagger that's the most watched, most read thing on the website for some reason. Every time I go look at our stats, that is the one article people access the most because. The guys, like or not, a lot of people count him out. He's made a resurgence, a quiet 
resurgence. And he's, and he's, and you, you can catch him on TV. He's teaching another gospel. People don't, people just read what he reads, listen to what he says. He's teaching another gospel. And I, I, I broke that down. So just one thing I do. At Spirit Watch also, like I said, we do we, we kind of seminars, we, we do conferences, uh, and like I said, we do field work. We, 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 get, we get down with people, and we, we, we work with them, we pray with them, we encourage them, and uh, we try to help. We've, we've done, I've done interventions. We've always done, we've, again, there's so much to get into it, but uh, we've done it, we've gone, we've done interventions with people. We've helped people get out of cults. Uh, we've helped people after who who are leaving cults are people who are out of cults to again go through the process of restoration. That's a whole other topic in itself. And like I said, I, all I did was try to hit <laughs> in an hour time the high points. So, but uh, Don's going to throw stones at me if y'all don't get down there and get in there. But thank you so much. We're going to be here. I'm going to be here a while. So if you have questions? I have cards and handouts. Actually, want to take so. I just want to say, you know, make a comment on you saying about. The person asking if you, you wasted this time, you could be reaching out. But now there's two of you out there reaching. <laughs> at least, at least another one, right? <laughs> nothing's wasted. Yeah, nothing's wasted because now there's two. <laughs> if if you look at God the way the scriptures teach us, and we look at Him, nothing in your life is ever wasted, right. ever, ever wasted. Thanks for listening today. As we explore, just where are we going? prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and if necessary challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org and if you need urgent personal spiritual help email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.